Welcome to the Crux Podcast and Sermon of the Week. For more information about the Crux Ministries and Summit Church, please visit us at summitsanmarcos.com. And uh, I think there's a reason Jesus spoke in parables. And so I have one, uh, a story that was super fun, um, that w- that's going to have to do with what we're going to talk about tonight. Dominic was there uh, for this. This is actually, but this is actually, no, no, he didn't do anything weird in this one. It's good. So uh, we actually, we went to an is, and we basically, uh, it, it was a buddy of ours who got, got married, and uh, he just said, I want for my bachelor party, I want to go to Vegas. If you know my friend group, we are not the Vegas kind of guys. Like, we are the let's stay up all night and play video game kind of guys in high school, right? That's who we were. We were the dorky guys. We didn't make any sports teams, nothing like that, right? And so he's like, I want to go to Vegas for my bachelor party. And we're like, really? Okay, I guess. That's cool. And so so we go to Vegas, right? And uh, we're doing it. No idea what's going on. Like, it's just... There's lights everywhere, and it's like, what is this place, you know, right? And we're walking around, and there's all these dudes who have, like, these little cards. Uh, has anyone ever been to Vegas here? Yeah? So there's these, little, there's these guys who have these, like, advertisement cards or whatever, and they're always trying to put them in your face, and you're like, stop it. I don't even know you, right? And, and basically, like, it, it's all this just, like, every one of your senses is being, like, overwhelmed, assaulted at the same time, right? You're like, it's loud, and what are those smells? And there's lights everywhere, and what's going on, right? And so basically, we're here, and um, uh, I, I got really... I don't know. I was frustrated slash kind of brokenhearted at how Vegas was because it was cool. Like there's parts of that I was like, oh, this is awesome. But there's other parts where I just felt super like, oh, man, like this place needs Jesus like really bad, right? And, and I remember also feeling like frustrated at the same time because it was just literally in my face. And so, but I didn't want to be that guy who's like leaving your, uh, the friend, we're here to celebrate my friends. He's getting married, right? So we're here to celebrate that. And I didn't want to like, leave it because he was excited and I was trying to be there for him and all that kind of stuff, right? So, but at the same time, I was totally frustrated. And these guys would just, they, it was, they had little uh, cards for like clubs or like things like that or some gross stuff, right? And they're putting it in your face. And I'd be like, no, no, I'm good. No, I don't want that. No, I don't want it, right? And, and basically, I had this inner prayer going in my mind finally, where I said, I said, God, if, if they do that, <laughs> if they do that three times, like, if I say no, and they keep pushing it three times, I'm like, I'm going to do something. I'm, I'm going to start preaching at them, <laughs> right? It's literally because I was like, I'm not the kind of guy, I'm not going to cuss them out. I'm not going to do anything weird like that, right? So I'm like, I'm going to scare them off with the gospel. That's what I'm going to do, right? And so basically, uh, uh, I sit, I, I'm going, this, and we go on this intersection, where it's one of those intersections, it's so big, it needs a little island in the middle, where you make it halfway, and then you have to wait again to then go across again, right? So we're stuck on this little island in this, like, sea of traffic and just stimuli, right, going on. And basically, uh, we're, we're sitting there, and this dude comes up to me with those cards, and he's like, hey, man, hey, hey. And it was like something gross, like some cl- club with some sketch stuff in it, right? And I was like, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good, man. And he's like, come on, hey, good deal. Like, you know you want it. And I was like, no, I'm, I really know I don't. Like, it's no, no, I don't, right? And then, he, and then he looked at me, he's like, come on, I got a good deal for you. In my mind, I'm like, one. And I'm like, no, I don't want it. 
two, like I'm counting in my head, right? Finally on three, because he's like, come on, man. He just wouldn't let go. I even started walking away and he started following me. It was like, hey, come on, right? And so I, <laughs> I stop and I, I just prayed for a second. I was like, God, is there anything you want to say to this guy? And I really, I didn't really care if it was wrong because I was like really kind of frustrated in the moment. But I, I stopped and I felt for some reason, like God said, ask him about his daughter. And so, so the guy's like, come on, you know what I want? I was like, so what's going on with your daughter? And, and he was like, and he's like, and he stopped and looked at me, and he's like, what? And I'm like, is there something wrong with your daughter? Why, why aren't you with her right now? You should go be with her. And he looked at me, and he was like, who the beep? <laughs> like, who told you that? And I was like, and I, and I just looked at him, and did, okay, also just to tell you, he was like a, he was this big, this big, like, black, huge bouncer guy, right? And I'm like this skinny little white guy, and I'm like, what's going on with your daughter? And he's like, who the, then he starts just cursing at me, right? And he's like, who told you that? And I was like, uh, God. <laughs> and he's like, what the are you talking about? And I'm like, I'm, okay, I'm Christian, and, and we can hear God's voice. And he just told me to ask you what's going on with your daughter and why you're not with her. And he was just like, what the F is going on, man? What's wrong with you? Like all this stuff, right? And I'm like, so does that mean something's going on? Like, <laughs> right? And then finally, he just says, okay, I get it. I get you're a Christian, but who told you this? And I said, nobody. I was like, you followed me, right? And I'm like, I didn't want to talk to you, and you followed me, right? And so I basically said to him, like, I don't know, man, but I was like, but why are you doing this? Why are you giving these sketchy coupons to guys when you should go be with your daughter? You know, and, and he just looked at me and I'm like, God wants you to stop doing this. And I said, look at all this. And I just show, I just, behold Vegas. Like I showed him, <laughs> look at this. And I said, like, is this really what you want? And I'm like, go be with your daughter. And then finally he just broke down. He just started crying. Right. And he looked at me and he was just like, my daughter lives in Seattle. Um, like I lost her in a divorce and I'm trying to save up money, you know, cause I want to go be with her. You know, and, and, and I was just like, wow. I was like, well, God sees you, man, and he's going to make a way for you to go be with your daughter. Go. And I'm like, let's just, let's pray right now. Like, you sound like you need to give your life back to God, and you need to go, you need to change some things, right? And so, so we're still on the island. This all happens <laughs> on this intersection island as we're waiting for the red light, or the, to change, right? And then so he just goes... It just like hugs me, and I'm like, it's okay, man, it's okay, like like hugging this guy, right, right, and I'm sitting there, and I'm just hugging this dude, we pray, he gives his life to the Lord, and he says, I'm gonna, and he like puts his stuff down, he's like, I'm gonna go find a way to be with my daughter, right, and then we're like, all right, I believe in you, man, and it ends with me like, love you, buddy. You're awesome. This is great. And then I turn around to then cross the intersection, right, and Dominic and all my friends are all on the other side of the intersection, and they're like, just staring at me. And I walk over there, they're like, what happened? And I was like, dude, I don't even know. Like, he just, uh, you know, three times, he just kept bothering me. So I just asked him where his daughter is, <laughs> you know? And, like, and they were like, we just, we did it. We're like, where's Taylor? We look over, and there's this big black security guard looking, bu like, buff dude, just like, <laughs> like, crying, like, holding on to you. Like, what happened, right? So basically, um, <laughs> I actually ended up having a lot of fun in Vegas. This became my new strategy. People, they would come up to me, hey, 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 three times. I'd be like, Jesus loves you. And they'd be like, all right, man, okay, all right. <laughs> and they were like, it's okay, bro, it's okay. And I'd start following them, do you know he loves you? They're like, it's cool, dude, it's cool, man, okay. And like, it, it was awesome. Like, if you want to just like, 
get them off of you. You just start telling them the love of God and they either break or they run, right? Like either way, because they either get convicted in their hearts and so they run from it or they break and fall into the love of God. It's awesome. So basically, the light shines the brightest in the darkest places, right? We are so often awkward Christians when we're like scared and we're like, we want the light to shine in the day. Like, you know, I want to go to a place that's completely sunny and then turn on my light for Jesus, right? Which is awesome. Like you come to church and you turn your life for Jesus. It's important. We need it. But it's like going to the beach on a sunny day and turning on a flashlight. And it's awesome. It's cool. But the flashlight was also meant to shine the brightest in the darkest places, to light up the dark, right? And you are called, you are called to bring light into the darkest places of the earth. You are called to to bring a change and a shift and a spark. You are called not to succumb, to come under society. You are called to overcome it. You are called to step into situations and overcome it. We've been doing a a series here. We started a couple weeks ago called Revivalist, and it was a new normal. Basically, that you, being a revivalist, being someone who brings the dead things back to life in Jesus, dead hearts back to life in Jesus, this is what you're called to do as a normal Christian. It's not these radical, well, that's Billy Graham. He's awesome. I just go on Sundays. You know, it's like, it's, no, that, that's, that's normal Christianity. And what I'm doing, uh, uh, something in my life's not normal. Because every, everyone in the Bible, those heroes, they were just Christians. They were just following Jesus, right? And, and, and we see them as these larger-than-life heroes, which they are, like I admire them, but that's the standard. That's normal Christianity. And I need to shift my life to there. So tonight, it's, we're doing a part two in the Revivalist series, but it's called Overcomer, that you are called to be an overcomer. You are not called to come underneath situations, to come underneath society. You're actually called to overcome it. You're called to overcome every obstacle, overcome every situation, overcome all darkness, overcome it, right? That's who you are, and that's who you're meant to be. Uh, This guy named Edmund Burke, he said that nobody has made a greater mistake than he who did nothing because he could only do a little. There's this thing that says, well, if I can't change society, if I can only do little things, then I'm just going to do nothing. It's actually those little things that flip whole societies. There's 12 men who changed the world. Less in here. We've got like, what, 30 people, 25 people in here? Half, cut this in half. That's what Jesus had. And he changed the world because these men did little things, right? Like, talk to people at intersections about Jesus, right? (laughs) And so basically tonight, I want to look at a revivalist in the Bible, someone who I really consider is an overcomer who stood up and he shifted society. There's a a couple principles I think we can learn from his life about, uh, about overcoming, not succumbing to the times, but actually overcoming these situations. So is that cool? Can we do that together tonight? How many of you have heard of a guy named Elijah? One guy, two guys, three. Okay, for the light, there it is, four, five. Okay, cool, we're getting closer. All right, all right. Okay, so basically, uh, let me give you some quick context of what's going on. You guys ever heard of Israel? Right? Okay, so Israel, this, it's like this chosen country uh, from the Lord, right? It was established in, these, in God, right? And so basically, 
Israel had a civil war, completely broke, completely fell apart as two different nations now. This is where they are in history, okay? Basically, there's a corrupt king gets into the kingdom, and his wife's just as corrupt as he is, okay? And basically, his name is Ahab. Her name is Jezebel, okay? And they basically, uh, they... Straight up, not only do they not really worship God anymore, they raise up other gods, other temples, other things like that uh, in the land. So they actually get their people to start worshiping other people, right? Israel has come a long ways from where they're at. So the culture is now a culture where there's, there's, there's all this weird mixed religion stuff. It's kind of believe whatever you want, okay? The culture is very much, there's war all around them. Countries don't like them. Their own, like, leaders don't really believe in what they believe anymore. This is where the people are at who live in this country, okay? Uh, that, to me, sounds really relevant to, to today, right? It, it doesn't sound like this far off thing. It's actually very much, I believe, even where America is at. Yes, we are founding these biblical principles, but we have really started to fall away in a lot of ways. And we live in a society where, where there's all these other things that have been raised up, and a lot of the people, the Christians, have fallen away in a lot of ways. And so, basically, there is uh, this, I want to show you, there's two different main these gods that they worship one is a god named baal how have you ever heard that name before baal right okay so and there's no name asherah baal is who they said was the god of rain the god of vegetation the god of the storm they actually said he was the god who threw fire down from heaven he threw lightning is what they said this is what baal was known for okay they said he is in control of everything and he basically represents their economy because their whole agriculture they if you know if corn doesn't grow they die like that's a big deal. Like, if the food don't grow, <laughs> like, the agricultural country, like, they die. So this, they said it was their God over the vegetation. This is who they worshipped, okay? Uh, now, they fell away from the creator of all, and they started worshipping something else they made up, okay? The next one, and it represented materialism, and it represented this uh, trusting, this, like, uh, basically the elements, the materials over the one who created them, right? The next one was Asherah. Asherah was supposed to be the goddess of fertility and sexuality. And it basically says that she had these poles that they put up in high places, okay? So that wherever you looked, you could see one, all right? And basically here, it, it, they said that this was the one of fertility, and this is the one where in the culture, it created a like a sexual culture that basically said that you are to pursue that. You're pursue Baal materialism, and you're, you're meant to pursue sexuality as your two highest goals in life. Sounds a lot like today, where the whole TV, all media, all this stuff says materials, money, all this stuff, and like sleep around and party and all that stuff, right? This, yes, we don't have like idols of like, you know, poles that we put up and like look to and worship, but we, that same heart, that same spirit is definitely in our society still today. Like, am I, am I alone in seeing that? I don't know about you, but I can't even walk around in Vegas. You can't even look at the ground because there's stuff on the ground. So you're just like, ah, right? Like it's everywhere, right? It's the same thing going on. And basically, there is this guy, 1 Kings 17, verse 1, if you have your Bibles, okay, or your cool phones, or if it's written on your heart, that's cool too, okay? So basically, it says, this is what it says. It says, it says, and Elijah the Tishbite, 
okay, of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel lives before who I stand, there, will, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except by my word. Have you ever heard this story where Elijah prays and there's no rain? Have you ever heard this story before? Cool. Yes, we got one. Okay, so it says this, Elijah the Tishbite, stop right there. Elijah's name means Yahweh is my God. I don't know if you guys knew that. That's a really cool name. My name, Taylor, means like someone who can sew. That's cool, right? Elijah means Yahweh is my God. Like, dude, sweet, man. Okay, so basically, Tishbite, it's a group of people, but it means captivity. It says, Elijah comes out of Tishbite. This man who says, Yahweh's my God, in a culture that says, Believe whatever God you want. He says, no, Yahweh's my God. And he comes out of this place of captivity. The first point tonight, overcomers, how you overcome a situation, declare God in the midst of your captivity. Elijah comes from a place called captivity. It's the, and the first thing he says, he says this. He says, as surely as the Lord lives before who I stand. Do you believe God is alive and well in a country that preaches the opposite? Do you believe in your situation where your family's falling apart or hurting or where your school and your roommates are like partying or doing whatever or, or like this whole thing where it's like so hard, like in Vegas himself, do, like that place. Do you believe that that's a place where you can walk up and say, yeah, look around. God is alive and well. Can't you see it? <laughs> right? Like, this is crazy. He steps into a nation that is completely showing the opposite, and he says, my name is Elijah. God is alive. I'm come from this place of captivity, declaring, it doesn't look like it, but declaring that God, that Yahweh is my God. The first thing you need to do if you want to be an overcomer is declare to your circumstance, to your situation, whatever it is, Yahweh is my God. I am coming out of captivity. I am not going to live there. I am not going to just feel sorry for myself and be like, I'm in captivity. This sucks. Right? I'm going to be the one to step out of it and say, no, 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 this ain't okay because Yahweh is my God. Right? Yahweh is the Hebrew name for our God. Right? Just case you who's Yahweh right it's 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 the same God we believe in right okay so here we go so the next part there's an attitude of an overcomer that is just a stubborn refusal to believe anything else besides what God says he is who he is like uh, guys I uh, man honestly I am not always the smartest man in the world I know some of you are like what pastor you're so smart Right? Okay. I'm not always the most elegant man in the world. I don't always say the things I, I, you know, I'll say crap on stage and then my leader's like, what'd you say that? That's kind of weird, you know? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I was talking. Right? Like, I'm not the most elegant guy. I'm not the smartest guy. I'm not, I'm not all this stuff, right? And I'm okay with that. One thing I'm actually pretty good at is being stubborn. Like, I'm really good at being stubborn to the truth, to the point where I know it bothers people around me, to the point where someone will tell me how they feel, and I'm like, oh, that's a lie. And they're like, you know, I wanted you to comfort me, and I'm like, yeah, but you're believing a lie. And they're like, dude, I came to you so I could get a hug. And I'm like, dude, you need to, you need to stop believing that lie. Like, <laughs> you know? And people are like, all right, don't go to Taylor if you want it. Go to Dominic. He will cry with you and hug you and love you. Taylor will be like, dude, get over your crud, man. <laughs> like, like, you know, like, like, it's not always the best, you know? But I'm really good at just being stubborn about the truth, right? Of just being like, no, 
this is what's right and this is what's wrong, right? And so that's something I just have a gift with being, I guess. Maybe I like to call it dedicated or focused, right? You know, whereas other people might say it's stubborn. But anyway, there has to be this overcoming mentality that says, I don't care about the situation. I don't care about what's going on. I don't care if everything, if all the hell itself breaks loose. God is God and he is still good and he is still my God and he is still going to bring freedom and he is still going to, you have to get stubborn about declaring this truth in your life if you're going to overcome it. Like I'm telling you, that's the first thing. So Elijah, here we go. Verse one, Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead, he says to Ahab, remember Ahab is the king, right? He's a wicked king. Oh, he's wicked. Okay. It says, as the Lord of God of Israel lives before whom I'm standing. Okay, let's stop again. This phrase, overcomers realize before whom they stand. What? Okay, you're looking at me like I'm crazy. Okay. Basically, Elijah does this. He stands before the king of the whole nation. He stands before the most powerful man in his culture and in his life. This guy, you live or die based on what the king says. In America, if Trump was like, kill him, you know, <laughs> if he did that to me, everybody's like, you're fired, get out, you're like, you're dead. Like, like, you would be like, okay, I have rights, like, maybe I'll get in trouble, maybe I could even go to jail. They're not just going to kill me on the spot, like, I'll go to trial, uh, there's Supreme Court, there's courts, all this stuff, right? That did not exist back here. The king's like, you're dead, you're fired, right? And, and basically, before you can say, what? There's a guard with a knife going, ah, like coming at you, okay? Like, there is no court system of this stuff. If the king says, I don't like you, you're gone, you're gone, like, you're out, you didn't make it, right? And so he comes, stands before the king, okay? And he has the audacity, this crazy idea to stand before the king and says, I'm from God before whom I stand. I, before I stand before you, I stand before God. The king, you're the king. You could kill me if you wanted to, but I stand before God first and foremost. You have to realize if you are going to be an overcomer who overcomes situations, you have to realize first and foremost before whom you stand. You stand before God, before anything else. Who pays your paycheck, God or your boss? Who's the one who eventually gets you the degree and gets you the job and the career? Is it your degree or is it God? Right? God will use your degree sometimes. <laughs> right? <laughs> but sometimes he doesn't, right? <laughs> okay, right? I met, I met a real estate agent whose degree was in zoology, and I was like, okay. That's cool, <laughs> right? And he's like, yeah, God had different plans, right? And I was like, okay, that's cool, right? So anyway, God will ultimately be the one before whom you stand. Do you stand, who, like the pressure of that guy or that girl or, or, or your school or your teachers or different people who, who are saying or doing different things, who do you stand before? Because if you are pressured and changed based on who you stand before, you're going to be all over the place, right? In your life, you're just going to get walked all over and you're going to be real depressed all the time. But if you say, before who I stand, God first. First. It becomes this rock, this pillar in your life that sets up this overcoming mentality of I will overcome everything because I stand before God. There you go. I love this too. So verse one again. And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants uh, or of Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel lives before him who I stand, here we go. There shall not be dew nor rain these years except by my word. Once again, 
This is a direct challenge to the king. It is the king's word that establishes everything. You live or die based on the king. And he's like, nah, my word. <laughs> Wait a minute. Oh, dang. You kill him, right? And so basically, and oh, oh, wait a second. Who was the God who was supposed to control the rain? Baal. So he doesn't, Elijah's not like, I hate rain. No more rain. Like, no, Baal is in charge of the rain, supposedly, according to their culture. And he's like, oh, you're in charge of the rain? Yeah, no more rain. <laughs> I'm going to show you who's actually in charge of the rain. And I'm going to show you who actually, by whose word it is established by. That is established by God, not by you, not by your fake God, not by any of that, that it is from God. Oh, your God's in charge of vegetation? Yeah, famine. Yeah, it's gone. Wow. Right? That this was a direct attack against the culture and the kingdom of that time. You see, if you are to be an overcomer, you have to understand and know the authority that you carry. That you actually can carry more authority than, than even people who are in the physical have authority over you. Because you stand before God. If you speak out his word, it don't matter if the president himself wants you dead, right? If you stand before God and he says you will live, then you, I'm, I'm going to live. You have to realize the authority that you carry, that you don't have to fall underneath like, like Vegas. You don't have to fall into the culture. You can actually go in and kick that culture out. You actually, you don't fall and submit to demons. Demons run when you come in the room because you know your authority and you declare who you are and what Jesus is doing. You go in your job, you don't have to be a wimpy Christian that's like, oh, I'm awkward. Everyone's talking about drinking, so I'm going to stand here in the corner right? Like, no, no, you walk in and you actually can change the culture. Start loving people. Start complimenting them. Start talking to them. Start shifting and changing things. You have an authority to change what is around you. Here we go. James, we're going to the New Testament. James 5, it says, Elijah was a human just as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. See that? That was my excuse. He was Elijah. And with this verse, it just... Whew, out the window, right? Basically, he says, yeah, Elijah, he was just like you. He wasn't some superstar hero. He was just a human who understood his authority in the Lord, knew who before he stood, right, and declared who God was in the midst of captivity. Here we go. Three, this is what happens. Um, you guys know the story? For three years, it does not rain. Three years! Dang, we're in a drought, right? And so basically, yeah, yeah, this is like California. This is so relevant, right? Okay, so here we go. And then 1 Kings chapter 18. This is where we are. Can you guys, you guys got like a few more minutes in you? Is this okay? Okay, cool. So here we go. It says this, and it came to pass after many, many days, like three and a half years, okay, that the word of the Lord came back to Elijah and said, go present yourself before Ahab and I will send rain on the earth. So Elijah now goes, goes back, hey, I'm back, told you, right? And so, <laughs> yeah, what happened to all your crops? That's weird. Where's Baal? <laughs> right? <laughs> huh. 
it's kind of like what I said would happen, right? Okay, here we go. So verse 19, he goes, he goes to the king and he says this. He says, now therefore, Elijah's now telling the king what to do. He says, he says, therefore, send and gather all of Israel to me at Mount Carmel or Carmel or Caramel, okay? And, 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 the, and the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So he's like, he says this, okay? Go meet at Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel is the sanctuary, the highest place. The, it, it was this garden dedicated to only the priests and the worshipers of Baal. It was the highest place for this enemy religion. And Elijah's like, yeah, let's go there. He doesn't say, hey, guys, come, to, come, come into my church where I feel safe and I got people around me. And I know what's going on, right? He's like, oh, yeah, sure. Get 400 of those guys, of those who guys who hate me, you know. Get 400 of those other guys, and let's go to your house. <laughs> let's go to their church. Like, yeah, I'll pray for you Muslim people. Sure, let's go to Mecca. Let's pray there, right? <laughs> like, this is what he does. This is crazy, okay? okay? And he goes to this place, okay? We are not called to just bring everyone into our building. We are called to go into the darkness and bring the miracles there. Like, yes, bring them to church. Bring them to church, please. Like, yes, that's important. But you are called to go onto your campus and in the midst of your classroom, pray and see healing break out. You are called at work to start speaking to the people around you and see what God does. Go in to the darkest places. Go there and there see what God can do. Is he the same God in church as he is outside? Yes. So let's prove it, <laughs> right? Everyone on paper is like, yeah, sure. And they're like, all right, let's do it in real life. And they're like, oh, man. Uh, <laughs> get the pastor, right? And you're like, no, this is for you to change the environment where you're at. Okay, here we go. You guys ready? You want to see the coolest like showdown of showdowns right here? Okay, verse 22 says, Elijah says to them, I am the only prophet of the Lord who's left. Like the wonderful thing about Tiggers is I'm the only one. Like he's like, I'm the only one left, right? Here we go. He says, but Baal has 450 prophets. So he says, now bring two bulls. The bull was the deity symbol of Baal, by the way. Okay. So he's like, oh yeah, what's your sacred animal? The bull. Okay, sure, yeah, bring some of those. Okay. Okay. It says the prophets of Baal can choose whichever one they want. Sure, once again, give them the advantage. They can choose whatever they want. Okay. And then he says, he says, cut it into pieces, and let's lay it on this wood in here, and don't, but don't send fire on it. He says, I will prepare the other bowl, and I'll lay it on the wood on, over there, and I won't set fire to it. Then call on the name of your God, and I'll call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by setting it on fire is the true God. What was one of the names for Baal? He was the God who threw fire down from the sky. Literally, they saw lightning, and then it would create fire, and they'd be like, Baal's angry. Like, that's what they would do, right? And so he says, oh, that's what your God's known for? Sure, let's do that. This isn't like just a random, why did he stop the rain? Why did he throw down fire? No, he was directly attacking everything that they had to strengthen. It's like, oh, sure, yeah, like the dark alley and like, like, like sketchy parts of Oceanside? Like, yeah, let's go there. You want to bring your drug lord friends? Sure. <laughs> right? Like, this is scat. Like, he completely sets it all up so that they would win. He takes a huge, huge, huge risk 
because he knows he's an overcomer. You see, point four, overcomers take risks. Like that risk I did in Las Vegas. By myself, my friends are on the other side of the place. There's this big sketchy dude and he's like yelling F you at me. And I'm like, what's going on? Jesus loves you, <laughs> you know? And the dude breaks down crying. I was like, did not expect that. <laughs> like, awesome, right? Take the risk, guys. Here we go. It says, Elijah said to the prophets, you go first, for there's a bunch of you. Choose one of the bulls, prepare it, and call on the name of your God, okay? It says, so they prepared one of the bulls. They called the name of the God Baal from morning until new time, shouting, Baal, answer us. It says, but there was no reply of any kind. It says, then they dance, hobbling around the altar that they had made, okay? And then it says, at about noontime, Elijah began mocking them. You'll have to shout louder. He scoffed. He said, for surely he's a god. Perhaps he is daydreaming or relieving himself, which means, another translation says, maybe he is stuck on the toilet, right? Okay? And he's like, or maybe he's away on a trip, or he's asleep and needs to be waking. He just starts throwing out the yo mama jokes. He starts throwing out all these making fun of things. He's like, maybe, <laughs> maybe your God is stuck on the toilet. <laughs> like, and they're all like, dude. (laughs) And he's just totally making fun of them, right? So so they shouted louder. You know what's crazy? It says, they raved all afternoon until the time of evening sacrifice, but there was no sound, no reply, and no response. Then it says, and they cut themselves with knives and swords until blood gushed out of them. They literally even turned to self-harm because the things of this world and these gods were not answering them. So they started to self-harming them. This is totally relevant towards today. And this isn't to condemn, and if you've struggled with that, it's not to condemn that, but that is to say it's, it's something that was all the way back into here even, that they were worshiping this false god and he wasn't showing up, so they even started cutting themselves in hope of finding him. Okay, jumping to verse 36, it says, at the usual time of the offering for the human sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walks up to the altar and he prays, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that you are my, or, and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all that you commanded. O Lord, answer me. Answer me so that these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. It says, immediately, fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven, burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust. It even licked up all the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell down on their face and they cried out, the Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord is God. Overcomers expect God to answer. He had a very specific prayer request. He wasn't like, Lord, would you just bless this time? He said, God, answer me. Show them you're real, God. Show them you're. Are you willing to put yourself in a position where either God answers you or you fall on your face? Hard. (laughs) Are you willing to put yourself into a spot where either God shows up or everything I said just was disqualified? (laughs) This is what the world needs to see, not just another good argument. They need to see these Christians who walk into the darkness and say, God, show up here and shift the whole environment. 
And all the people began worshiping and praising God. What if this could be you? What if at school? What if he could show up in your class? What if he could show up at your work? What if he could use you, just a normal person like Elijah? You are an overcomer. You are called to overcome situations. You are not called to back down and say, it is too dark here. I'm just one person. You are called to say, it is dark here, so that's why I need to step up. You're a revivalist. This is your new normal. This is, this is not an extreme amount of radical Christianity. This is who you are designed to be, an overcomer. So just to review, basically, an overcomer declares God in the midst of their captivity. In every season of my life, I don't care. I'll be stubborn about it. God is good. He is real. <laughs> like, oh, man. He is real. There's times where literally I've even like looked at my wallet and it's empty and I'm like in debt and I'm like, he provides for me. Like I will be stubborn about this. Like my God will show up and I have never gone hungry. Come on, college students. You're not going to go hungry, right? Okay. Declare God in your captivity. Over, number two, overcomers realize before whom they stand. You don't even stand before your professors first or your schools, or your friends, or the peer pressure. You stand before God. Number three, overcomers know their authority. Demons run from you. You don't run from demons. <laughs> and overcomers take risks for God to show up. Are you willing to take a risk? That, I believe, out of all four of them, the last one's the hardest one. Because if you know your authority, you know all your freedom, you know all your stuff, and you're like, nah, I ain't taking a risk. <laughs> right? You can live this life where you just... The whole world's dying around you and you're cool with it. You got to take a risk and step out. This is an overcomer. This is how you overcome every situation. So this is what we're going to do now. We have about 15 minutes. Nine o'clock is when we end, okay? And uh, we have uh, some little small group questions for you, right? The goal of this is that you would have a time to be able to process. Like I just shot a fire. I just like undid a fire hose and just in your face. The goal is that you would have time to kind of process this together as well as bond and get to know new people around here. You came here tonight not just for a message. You came here also to connect with God and connect with each other, okay? And so what we're going to do is just we're going to break into groups of like four people, right? Like four-ish people around you, okay? I want to encourage you, don't just go in your same clique. Sit with people you don't know. Get to know people. That's why you came here in the first place, right? And so get to know new people, and we're going to go through these questions together, okay, for like 15 minutes. We'll pray together right at 9, and then we'll be done for the night, okay? Does this sound good? Awesome. So, Lord, I thank you that these are your overcomers. These are your ones who they don't back down because of fear or insecurity, but they press in. Yes, they're afraid. Yes, they're insecure, but they choose to press in. They choose to say, my God is going to show up and I'm an overcomer. They choose to believe the truth over our feelings. This is who they are, revivalists and overcomers, and I thank you for them, God. And so, Father, I ask that during our small group time, you would speak to us, you would bond our hearts to you and to each other, and you'd help us get breakthrough and become these overcomers that you say we are. We thank you for uh, Elijah's example, God, but we thank you that you encourage us. You say we're just like him. And I thank you. That means we can do everything he just did as well. And so, Father, encourage us tonight. Put a fiery encouragement inside of our hearts. And would you speak to us during this time? We love you, Lord. In your name. Thank you for listening to the Crux Podcast Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit summitsanmarcos.com for other exciting content from Summit Church.